Eric, I am so thrilled to have you on 20 Minute Playbook. Thank you so much for joining me and for coming on. Likewise. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here. The first question I always love to start with, uh, and this is more of the rapid fire interview type we're going to do, is um, I'd love to start with a recent curiosity or fascination. And, you know, so what I'm curious is what question or idea have you been pondering or what have you been fascinated by recently? What's on your mind? Ah, good question. I think the thing that, that I've been thinking about the most recently is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about you know, venture and firm building and you know, all, all those kinds of aspects, right? I, I think most recently what's been top of mind for me is kind of like, where do we go from here in, 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 in the venture world, right? You know, I mean, I think last year was such a crazy year, but it, but it felt like one of those years where everybody kind of knew it, right? And, and, and I think oftentimes you, know, you can kind of, you look back even 10, 20 years ago, right? Or kind of like the, the first dot com, you know, kind of bust and, and, you know, most of the money gets made in these weird kind of decade-long bull cycles in the last couple of years, right? And so you have this kind of tacit acknowledgement from everybody that, yes, it's crazy, but we're, we're like, we're still going to play the game and, until the music stops, right? Uh, and so that was really like emblematic of, of last year, right? And, and this year, obviously, there's been a tremendous hollowing out. And I think by, by many stretches, actually just kind of reverting to the mean, which I think is, is good and healthy and all those kinds of things, right? But, you know, I think, I think some could argue that tech is even oversold, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies down, you know, 70, 80, 90%, right? Uh, over the past 12 massive, months. Massive, massive. Yeah. And so then it's kind of like, well, what happens from here, right? And, and whether that's, you know, startup valuations, whether that's, you know, fundraising for, uh, you know, GPs, whether that's kind of like for, you know, for the market writ large, like how long does it take for us to kind of recover um, from kind of what we're, we're experiencing right now? And, and how do you best play that both as a startup founder, but also as a fund manager? And, uh, and, and yeah, so I, think, I think that's, that's been on my mind quite a bit. And there's, there's so many different moving factors there, right? You have the macro, you have, you know, how uh, founders are operating and thinking, you have how like LPs are operating and thinking, how GPs are operating and thinking, right? And, and all of that kind of combines into uh, like the the startup and venture machine, right? So yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating. And, and it is, you know, it's been on my mind as well too, because it does feel like one, I guess two things maybe to point out. One, you know, a lot of VCs that I talk to, you know, obviously agree. I haven't talked to a single person that hasn't seen just a massive, you know, swing and felt this massive swing emotionally, mentally, psychologically, all of it. But what's interesting is, you know, a couple of people have cited that part of what is so exacerbating about this particular one is that it's really played out in like six months from the end of Q1 until maybe where we are today, you know, uh, and that really startup valuations didn't start tipping over until the end of Q1. So there's just the speed. And then the second piece is there's so many moving factors to your to your point. And there's the rise of inflation. There's much higher rates. What does that mean for startups going forward? Anyway, so I'm glad you're thinking about it. If you have any secrets, once you start figuring this out, please share them on Twitter. <laughs> we can all learn from you. <laughs> I will. I, 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 the, the one thing I will say is, you know, I, I think everybody, uh, not, maybe not everybody, but there have been a lot of people who I, I remember in, I think I tweeted this recently, actually, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I remember even in, in you know, February or March or April, you know, a lot of people out there are like, ah, oh, you know, like this will, this will, you know, blow over by by the summer by by the fall like we'll be back to normal whatever right and and i mean number one obviously that's not happened uh but but i think number two is 
like this isn't going to change for a while, right? I mean, and, and I think what a while means is, is I, I think frankly, like I do not know, right? Um, but, but I think very clearly, you know, next year is going to be painful as well, right? I mean, there's no, there's, there's no world at this point where we haven't even started to stabilize the macro yet, I guess is my point, right? And, and, and you know, you think about, you think about, you know, uh, inflation or just like the broader macro and like, it, it feels like things are going to continue getting worse before they get better, right? And then you think about where, you know, early stage venture falls into that equation, right? And I mean, early stage venture, you know, has probably the, the single biggest lag uh, relative to, you know, any kind of private markets or, or even public for that matter, like asset class out there, you know, it's probably a good six to nine month lag, right, on, on, on these things before it hits early stage venture. And so, you know, even if things magically kind of snapped and, and changed today, right, you're probably looking at the middle of next year before there's any kind of normalization. And, and so it, it really does seem like it's going to be 2024 at the, at the earliest, uh, but before I think things kind of start to, you know, bottom out and, 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 and pick up. So that, I mean, that's how we're thinking at, at Contrary is, I think we're going to be in for, for, for quite a while still. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know how long, but definitely more likely years than months, I think at this point, especially in time. <laughs> I want to move on and, um, you know, we're going to do a much longer form interview all around Contrary, uh, which, you know, I'm thrilled to do. I think what you're building is a fascinatingly different type of venture firm. But, you know, one of the big ideas is that you're focused on identifying and investing in the world's top talent. And so one of the questions that I wanted to ask is, you know, what has being so talent focused taught you about what the world's most talented people share in terms of traits, in terms of approach? What have you learned about the commonalities of talent? Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, several things, but I, I think number one is that often starts very early in someone's journey, right? So, so I think one of the, one of the core insights that we've been able to extract now doing this over the past three, four, five years is that you know, for us, we're, we're looking for, for people who are, you know, likely future founders, right? So there's, there's kind of this, this tech startup lens that we're viewing things through. But, but nonetheless, exceptional people are exhibiting unique traits very early in their journeys, right? And so, so the, the, the way we think about it actually is we, we, have, we have, you know, entire kind of conviction in this idea of by the time somebody finds themselves in college, they've very likely already done something exceptional in their lives if they're the kind of person that we want to back uh, or that we want to have as a part of our fellowship program or that we want to, you know, kind of get to know whatever it might be. And, and you know, uh, quite often it's not that they started a company, right? In fact, it's, it's, it's you know, typically not the case, but, you know, maybe they were a world-class pianist or athlete or whatever it might be. There's, there's some demonstrable level of grit uh, that they've exhibited and they have a, a very kind of clear and lucid articulation of what they want to do moving forward as well. I think that for us, like above anything else, like that is probably the single most powerful kind of like trait and, and characteristic that we've, we've learned about folks is, is it starts early. Um, and sure, you know, I, I, I imagine there are a number of, you know, late bloomers or whatever, so to speak, that, that we, that we, you know, maybe we miss on or whatever. But I think, I think by and large, uh, it is, it is, is it a trait that kind of starts early? So I think that's number one. And then I think number, number two is, again, these people know what they want to do. They, they have a very clear sense of kind of like the mark that they're going to imprint on the world, right? And so if you go and talk with the right people, they're the kind of person that contrary is looking to, to get in front of, 
you know, they'll say some version of, yeah, you know, I, I'm working at Startup X right now uh, because I, I want to understand these three things, right? I, I want to understand what it takes to fundraise. I want to understand uh, kind of like what it takes to be a great manager. And I want to learn on, on, on kind of under the auspices of, of, of somebody maybe who's already been there and done that, serial founder, sold a company before. And more than anything, I want to learn what it takes to build a hyper growth startup on somebody else's dime and then reputation, right? And I want to do that for one or two or three years. And after that, I think those are the three most important pieces of the puzzle that, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I want to understand before kind of going and, and starting my own company. And so, yeah, in a year or two, I'm going to quit and I'm going to start my own company and, and, and then stop, right? And they say it very matter of factly, right? Like there's no, you know, no, no, no doubt, right? Like this is what will happen. It's not iffy. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think that's rare when you, when you kind of even talk, I mean, you know, you're talking to people who are 40, 50, 60 years old, right? And, 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 and they don't have that level of conviction, I think, in, in like what they are unequivocally going to do. So I think those are the two most important kind of like traits uh, that we've been able to kind of suss out. Obviously, there are many more. You can talk about, you know, somebody's technical ability or, or things like that. But I think more than anything else is like it starts early. And these are people who have conviction, not only in themselves, but I think in kind of what they want to do. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would not have picked those two. Although, you know, I think conviction synonymous with self-confidence. So sure, maybe that one is there. I want to ask a very different question, which is if people following could shadow you for a day from the moment you wake up until you go to bed, as creepy as that might be, um, what do you think they would be most surprised by? And I think, you know, what we're trying to get at there is what's unique about the way you approach work, the way you approach life, the way you, you know, go about your day, any of those. Am I allowed to say two things? <laughs> yeah, of course. Always. <laughs> so I, I think number one would be how much sleep I get. It's a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I actually, I think for me at least, this has been this, the single most important factor that's prevented burnout over the past now five years of, 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 of five plus years of building contrary. Um, you know, I, I think to be very clear, um, I, I still work a ton, right? You know, I, I work, you know, six and a half out of seven days a week, right? Like, you know, oftentimes, you know, kind of 12 plus hour, hour days, but I do little else other than work, sleep, and spend any free remaining time that I can with close family and friends. And that is my, that is my life, right? Um, and, and what I found though, o- over the years, uh, you know, I mean, even, even in the very early days of Contra, when I was working, you know, even more than I, than, than I am today, you know, I could work 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day, right? But if I were able to get, you know, eight, sometimes nine hours of sleep a night, like I would wake up the next morning and just be ready to get after it, right? And there would be no missing a beat, no burnout, no exhaustion, no, you know, dread kind of going into a new day. It was always just kind of like excitement, energy, enthusiasm, and I was able to kind of like really attack the day rather than kind of feel the sense of like, again, kind of like dread going into it. And, and so for me, you know, four or five years in, like I love contrary just as much as ever. And I largely attribute that to the fact that I've never felt that way, right? I, I've never felt that sense of burnout or dread or exhaustion. And I, I owe it largely to sleep, right? Um, you know, maybe partially it's my, my own demeanor, but, but I think sleep is, is, a, is, is a really, really big kind of piece of the puzzle. And so that, I think that's number one. And, and then number two is, is probably just the amount of times in a given day that I do the same thing. And what I mean by that is like that I tell the contrary story, right? I, I, I think when, when, you know, my, 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 my fiance kind of jokes that, you know, she could, she could kind of re- repeat the entire contrary playbook at this point because of how many times she's heard me say, say different versions of, of the same thing, right, over the years. But 
you know, there, there's a lot of repetition in, in, in the role, right? Because you are selling, right? You're, you're, you're selling to everyone, right? You're selling to potential hires, to potential founders, to, you know, uh, potential investors in the fund, to, you know, journalists, to whomever, right? At the end of the day, like you're telling the story of, of your organization as a CEO, that is your job, right? Um, and, and, and so there's a lot of repetition and, 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 and I think maybe that doesn't sound glamorous or exciting or interesting, but I think that's, that's what it takes, right? I mean, go talk to any, you know, presidential candidate, right? And how many times in a given day do they say the same stump speech, right? It's, it's no different. So, yeah. Yeah, you can't ever get tired of telling that story. I feel like it's a core, it's a core skill. I want to ask one follow-up question on the sleep piece, which is, you know, um, I guess two thoughts. One is, I imagine, at least for myself, I find it hard at the end of the day to shut off my mind. Do you find it hard to shut off your mind? And along with that, is there anything you've done to optimize sleep? Yeah, it's super challenging to, I'd say, you know, once I've stopped work, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever time that might be, you know, eight, nine, 10, right? I think for me, the trick has been to just do something else, right? Whether that's like watch an episode of The Office or, you know, talk with my fiance about how her day was or can you kind of, you kind of do something to just stop, right? And, and, and I've, I've tried to be very deliberate about, about this where I can. It's, it's not always possible, right? Sometimes there's something that's just kind of wrangling or there's something that's not good that's going on or whatever. And it, and it does become a little bit all consuming, but I try to kind of pick a moment in the evening, depending on you know energy level, whatever, where I'm just done. Right. And I, I will no longer for the rest of that evening talk about something work related. Um, and, and so I kind of have this like social contract that to the best of my ability, like I try to enforce this with my, my fiance. Right. And I think that's worked reasonably well. And so by the time you end up getting to bed, you know, one or two, whatever hours later, you know, you can kind of, for me, at least I, I have, I have the ability to just kind of shut off and, and, you know, move forward and, and, and kind of, you know, uh, turn the page the next day. I'm, I'm not somebody who often will kind of stew before they go to bed. So I think for me, it's just been kind of drawing that line in the sand, but, but I, I think it's, I think it's hard for, for a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in many ways it sounds obvious, but it's also, it sounds, you know, very intuitive, very logical that of course you just need to figure out how to draw a line in the sand and be able to do that as intentionally as possible. Yeah. You have to, I mean, and maybe this is kind of like something that I think that I having, you know, discussed this with a lot of friends or whatever is like, I, I think that this is something that I'm better at than most people is, 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 is knowing how and when to shut off. Uh, and that can be, you know, at the end of an evening, right. That can be on a Saturday afternoon or that can be on like vacation, right. Like you know, as, as an example, right. Like we, 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 you know, we went, uh, we went to, to Iceland this, this past, you know, summer, right. For, for some, some, a few days off. And, you know, by and large, I was able to say, okay, I'm on vacation. I'm done, right? Like I'm shutting my phone off. And for these three or four or five days, like I'm, you know, going to do, you know, to the best of my possible ability, right? Like not think or, or look at my phone and, and, and move on, right? My fiance like could not do that. Like, you know, li- literally we would be, you know, be at, at any, you know, uh, you know, at any kind of area where there's a Wi-Fi hotspot or something, right? And just like, just like had to be kind of like engaged on the phone, whatever. And so I, I think for me, I mean, it's a superpower, maybe it's whatever. It's, it's, you know, I am almost always on, but then just having an ability to kind of know when is enough and turn the page. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I want to ask a question about, you know, values and standards. And, you know, you talked about, which makes sense, you know, that you're working 12 hours days, 10, 12 hour days, say six, six and a half days per week. And so one of the questions I wanted to ask um, is, you know, what sorts of values and standards do you bring to your work? You know, what's important to you about how you show up day to day? And this could be for your team at Contrary, for the founders you work with, for the investors you work with, what comes to mind? Yeah, I kind of view this through two lenses, right? I, I view this through the lens of what is the business that we are in? And, and number two, what do I expect for not only myself, but also the team and the contrary culture that, that we want to build, right? So I, I think if, if you kind of look at it through that, that first piece of, of kind of what are we in the business of, at the end of the day, we're in the business of serving founders, right? And, and so what that means is you never stop, right? You know, I have to be just as available for somebody on, you know, a, a, a Monday at 1.30 as I do a Saturday at 7 a.m., right? Um, and so like you are in the business of serving and helping founders and that, that never ends, right? Like that is a, that is a five decade, you know, long kind of commitment. Uh, and it's something that I think I, and by extension, we as a firm take very, very seriously because this is how you earn your reputation, right? You earn your reputation. I mean, even at Contra, we, you know, we, we, we try to respond to our founders within 30 minutes right? Whether it's text, email, Slack, like you, you name it, like 30 minute SLA, right? And it's the difference between that hyper responsiveness and not, which often determines, number one, how founders think about you and your reputation and brand and, and all those things, but also who they go to first, right? They go to, who they go to first when they have a really important hiring decision or firing decision, you know, when they're thinking about their fundraise, when they get their very first term sheet, right? Uh, and they want somebody to run it by you, like you earn that trust and that ability to be somebody's first call, right? It doesn't just happen. And it's very easily lost as well, conversely, right? And um, so, so I think that's, that's number one. And then on, on the firm side of the equation for us, you know, we talk a lot at Contrary about building a culture of really kind of three characteristics. Um, I think for us, it's, it's are you uh, ambitious? Are you entrepreneurial? But are you kind? You know, I, I think for us, those are the, the three traits that we value the most is, you know, we want people that are going to work super hard. We want people that are creative and are, and are trying to build, you know, kind of one of the best venture firms of our generation. But we also want good people, right? We also want to create an environment where, you know, nobody's trying to step on somebody's toes and it really feels like a team and like we're building something special together, that being the operative word, right? Like there are a lot of ambitious entrepreneurial people out there who are like real assholes, right? Uh, and those are people that, that we don't want at, at, at Contrary. So um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's really kind of how we think about it. I love the second part of your answer because especially preparing for this, doing a little bit more research on your team, that does show up and it does come through. I mean, they're all very smart, ambitious, very talented people, but you know, uh, no one there uh, seems to have any ego <laughs> in a negative way. Yeah, we do our best and we, we weed it out early if we can. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I want to ask, you know, maybe a similar but different question. And it's, you know, where I want to talk about the areas where you feel like you have an edge or a superpower. And this is particularly about you. You know, you have a really interesting background. You've done quite a bit of building and investing in, in, in some very different roles. You know, what do you think of as your superpowers and how do those show up day to day in your work and life? Yeah. So uh, I, I think for me on a personal level, 
I think part of it is actually what we just talked about, right? Which is, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm now five plus years in and I get even more joy from contrary than I, I think we did the day that I started. And so that kind of leads to this kind of natural extension of that, which is, you know, contrary is my life's work. And I think when you know that you're going to be building something for a multi-decade period, you can think on incredibly long time horizons. And so for me, you know, I'm not trying to flip contrary, right? This isn't a three, four, five year endeavor, right? In fact, if I had even working on it for five years, right? This is a, this is a 10, 15, 20, 30 year endeavor, right? And, and so, you know, I, I think we have tremendous conviction in kind of like the North Star and, and kind of like what we're building towards. And, and it allows me to think on, on really, really long term time horizons and know that, you know, the day to day competitors, competition, whatever, it, 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 it's largely irrelevant, right? And when, when you think on those kinds of, of, of horizons. So I think that's, that's number one. And, you know, I, I think number two is just this, this kind of startup ethos, I think, that, that, that we infuse into everything that we do. You know, we, we run contrary like a startup. We, you know, we, we you know, I, I didn't pay myself a dime for the first five years of Contrary's journey. And, and, and even today, I'm the lowest paid person at the firm. And I, I think there are many, 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 in, in fact, probably basically all, uh, you know, other, other, you know, VCs or, or GPs who don't operate their firms that way, right? And so I think that gives us a tremendous edge on, 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 on those firms in terms of, our ability to kind of scale, build the firm, how we operate, how fast we move, products that we launch, right? And it allows us to kind of like leave a lot of those folks in our in our wake. So I think those two things are probably for me the, the most important pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. I want to switch tacks and talk a little bit about favorite books. Um, you know, I don't know if in the 10, 12 hours, you know, that you're working in a given day, if that leaves much time for reading, maybe it's more short form than long form. But, um, you know, when you think about books that have had an outsized impact on you, you know, and this can be related to investing, related to founding and building companies, it can be science fiction. What comes to mind and what are some of your favorite books? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't have a lot of time to read in the day to day. Although it's funny, I, I probably read the most on flights, actually, uh, because it, it still feels like this kind of last bastion of, of uh, I'm sure until Starlink or somebody kind of, you know, makes, uh, makes, you know, kind of high quality Wi-Fi and flights, in which case I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, keep doing work. But uh, I do a lot, of, a lot of my reading on, on flights when I can. And I think for me, the probably the most powerful or one of the most powerful books that I've ever read uh, is this book called The Rational Optimist by by Matt Ridley. Um, have you had? Have you read it? I have not, but I have it purchased and it's on my list. So yes, it's good not to get. Yeah, to it. it's definitely going to read. Yeah, so I think for me, you know, it it was powerful because you know we 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 live in a world that is pretty consistently negative from kind of the bottom to the top, right? If you ask people how do they feel about their daily lives or right? how do they feel about kind of how the world is progressing all the way up through, you know, uh, our, our politicians and leaders, right. They're, they're, or, or the nightly news, right. Like it's, it's often quite negative. Um, but when you actually take a step back, and this is kind of the core underlying tenet, I think of, 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 of the book, when you actually take a step back and, and, and look at the data, I think mean, humanity is on this 
inexorable path forward of abundance and, and positivity. And there's no doubt across almost any cross-section, whether it's war or energy or you name it, right? Like food, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We are dramatically better off than we were even 50 years ago, right? Um, and, and, and so I, I think for me, it's, it's an important book because it makes you realize, hey, <laughs> kind of so much of what's being said, uh, talked about, written about, whatever, uh, is actually just wrong when you, when you kind of look at the data. Um, and, and it makes me far more positive and, and optimistic, I think, about humanity and, and human progress and, and kind of understanding that, like, kind of we are marching forward. I, I, I think kind of like far faster than, than it seems like in, in, in the day to day. So. I love that. It's a good uh, recommendation to, for me to read the book. And we'll make sure to include that in the show notes for, so everyone else can find it as well, too. I want to ask two closing questions. Uh, and one, you know, maybe this is related to sleep, although I, I'm, I'm hoping, thinking maybe you have another one. Uh, but the first question I want to ask is about a tiny habit that's had the biggest positive impact in your life. And, you know, what we're, what I'm kind of thinking of there is anything from nightly reflection, planning your day each morning, setting an intention before meetings. Just is there any small kind of work hygiene thing that's had a very positive impact? I guess you're going to throw you a curveball. I, I, uh, it, it's not a work hygiene so much as it's kind of a, a maybe life, life hygiene. So, um, so, so, so I have, um, I've been really fortunate, I think, to have, uh, kind of four very close childhood friends. Um, and so, I mean, we, 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 we grew up together, right? I mean, I was, you know, in kindergarten with, with one of them, right? And, uh, and, you know, we're now, I mean, it's been 25 years, right, that, that we've already been, been close friends. And there is not a single day that goes by where we don't all talk with one another in, in some way, shape or form, right? And that, whether that's text or, uh, you know, over the weekend, we played a couple of quick games of like virtual hearts, right? Or, uh, you know, we do a couple trips every year, right? Like, we, we try to be incredibly intentional about talking literally every, every single day. Um, and it can be, you know, a couple of quick texts or whatever it might be. But, you know, I, I think when you're building something, right, uh, and in kind of like when you're, in, when you're in the thick of it, whether it's a fund or a startup or whatever, right, having a, a support network is really important. Right. And, and for many people, right, this is, you know, friends or, or significant others or, you know, whatever it might be. And you know, I think I'm fortunate to have, you know, a, a family as well that's been super supportive throughout the journey. But I think having my kind of four close friends and having like a group of people that you talk to every single day, it's been really powerful because I know that I don't need much else at the end of the day. Right. You know, I, I, I already have my my close friends. I already have my family. I already have, you know, my, my, my fiance. Right? Like, I can dedicate all of my other energy to building contrary. And that's it. Right. And it's as, as simple as that. And so I think for me, like that's been kind of one of life's greatest blessings. Uh, and, and, and I think it's a very powerful uh, hack. And I think something that I feel fortunate to have um, because I, I as I talk to more people, whatever, like, I, I think there are a lot of people who don't have that. So yeah, I've been very fortunate in that regard. 
Yeah. I mean, I love that answer. And it's also not an answer I've ever heard before. So I think it is somewhat, somewhat rare in a, in a wonderful way. Okay. Last question. If you could go back to the start of your career, maybe for you, it's even going back to college and whisper some words of advice, reminder, something, uh, anything that you'd like yourself to remember, maybe to approach life differently or just to have in mind to go through the journey. Is there anything you would tell your younger self, the advice you would give? Yeah, I think two things. I think number one is brands matter. And I think number two is people vouching for you matters. I think those have been perhaps the two biggest lessons of, of kind of the, the entrepreneurial journey or, or, or certainly the firm building journey over the past kind of, you know, five or so years is uh, I, I think I think this is probably a little bit less true in the startup world than it is the financial services business, right? So whether that's hedge funds, PE funds, venture funds, you name it. Um, but those two things, kind of brands and, and vouching, in the venture world are, I think when you really boil it down, the some of the only things that, that matter, right? I think uh, because it, it essentially translates to credibility. And when... You know, it's it's really interesting. I made a, I made a conscious choice early in my career to not do that, to not seek out. I, I've never worked at a brand name place in my entire life, right? And, and that was intentional. And it was intentional because I, I, I was always optimizing for the velocity of learning, and the velocity of learning is the greatest oftentimes at non-brand name places, because by definition, you're not a part of a machine, right? Uh, you're a part of building something. And so you're, you're, you're learning while building, right? And, and, and so that's actually very, very powerful. And, and I would recommend everybody do a bit of that wh- wh- wherever you can. But I think ultimately, you know, not having, you know, worked at top venture fund X or, you know, going to top school X or, uh, you know, not having, you know, some very kind of name brand, well-connected person uh, being able to kind of vouch for you in the very early days of building something, I think hurt in, 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 in retrospect. And so when I think about kind of like the things that I would do differently, yeah, I think you always have this kind of youthful naivete when you go into anything, which I think is great, actually, because uh, I think a lot of things wouldn't happen otherwise. Um, but, but, but when you go into it, you know, in retrospect, I, I, I should have focused a little bit more on that than, than I did. And, and fortunately, today, it's, it's kind of no longer an issue, right? But, but I think it cost us time in, in, in the early days. And so I think that is kind of a piece of advice that I would give myself is, you know, Eric, uh, you know, don't be so confident in your abilities alone, right? At the end of the day, humans look for other heuristics and and, and kind of like ways of attaching credibility or credence to something. And you need to also play that game in addition to, uh, you know, to kind of blazing your own path. So, Yeah. And I love the way you described it as playing that game because it does feel like that a, a little bit where, you know, you're kind of intentionally recognizing one, that this is valuable, whether you agree with it or not. And two, that it's actually something that you do need to try to be good at or bias for or lean into. Um, perfect note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on, Eric. I appreciate it. Great to chat. Thanks, Daniel.